How the Great Bear Market Rally Will End The Unwinding of the Mighty Bull Trap of 2020 By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. Macbeth Many analysts continue to insist the recent stock market pullback is temporary and ultimately stocks will trade a lot higher in 2021. Yet economists continue to express deep concern over the pandemic-induced recession and the complete disconnection of a great number of popular stocks from underlying fundamentals. The truth is, the service economy has already been struck a near-fatal blow by the pandemic. Barring a miracle, we have almost certainly witnessed the absolute peak of the greatest bear market rally in at least a century. But where there is uncertainty, there is also opportunity. The next 12 to 24 months are shaping up to be very difficult for Main Street and Wall Street. However, for those who are prepared to patiently wait and look for the right opportunities, the unwinding of the mighty bull trap of 2020 may ultimately result in the greatest wealth-making opportunity of at least the last 100 years. In this article, markets are holding up for two reasons. Tech valuations are still on Mars. Are we at the end or beginning of a market cycle? The politics. How this massive bear market rally will end, the good the bad and the ugly. Markets are still holding up for two reasons. 1. The belief the Federal Reserve can save the economy. If you refer to the graph above, it's clear North American markets have performed considerably better than European markets. Barring the recent, and likely temporary, bump due to the announcement of Pfizer's and Moderna's hopefully soon-to-be-released vaccines, European markets appear to have peaked perhaps back in early June and North American markets, in September. I think a lot of North America's extra market buoyancy can be explained by the Federal Reserve's continued commitment to 0% interest rates for the foreseeable future and the American investors' undying belief the Federal Reserve has their back. As the story goes, ultra-low interest rates drive down appetite for fixed-income products like bonds. With little alternative, traditional bond investors are being forced into the stock market in pursuit of returns. Add to that the Federal Reserve's unprecedented pledge to support junk bonds and you can see why so many investors assume the stock market rally will never end. I'm not so sure. Problem 1. Lower interest rates stimulate the economy by bringing future economic activity into the present. For example, if I'm saving for a house with mortgage rates at 6%, I need to have enough of a down payment saved to make sure I can afford the mortgage payments. If interest rates suddenly drop to zero, I can afford to purchase that house earlier because I don't need such a large down payment to make the mortgage payments manageable. However, that stimulating effect gets weaker and weaker over time. The stimulating effect weakens because we are effectively stealing economic activity from the future. With interest rates so low, everyone who was waiting to buy a house has already purchased. That economic activity is now over. Of course there will be more people who try to save up to purchase a house before interest rates rise but they too will be moving future economic activity forward. Japan is famous for having near zero interest rates since the 1990s. Low interest rates have done little to help the economy recover. In fact, the Japanese economy is now completely dependent on ultra-low interest rates and continuous asset purchasing by the Bank of Japan. Should the Bank of Japan try to raise interest rates or slow the rate of asset purchases, the Nikkei would almost certainly collapse.
I'm afraid the Federal Reserve has pumped up such a bubble, investors are now addicted to low interest rates and unlimited quantitative easing. Take any of the stimulus away and stock prices will collapse. Problem 2. Why does anyone believe Jerome Powell or Steve Mnuchin have any idea what ultra-low interest rates and unprecedented fiscal stimulus will do to the US economy over the long term? Does anyone think these men have a crystal ball? I certainly don't. I recently watched an HBO documentary about the 2008 financial crisis. George Bush, Hank Paulson and virtually everyone involved in the bailout are interviewed. Of course we all remember how confident and sure Paulson was testifying in front of Congress that a massive bailout package would bring confidence back to the market. And ultimately, he appears to have turned out to be right, the recession did end after all. However, when interviewed for the documentary, witnesses reported Paulson barfing into his office waste paper basket because he had no idea what how stock markets would react. Paulson himself admits on the record he had no idea how big the bailout package should have been or how it would affect the stock market and economy. I'm guessing Powell and Mnuchin are on a steady diet of gravel right now. With everything about this most recent bailout being unprecedented and now with the world economy having to endure an exponentially growing pandemic, it would be naive to think the experts have this all figured out. We are sure to see more unpleasant economic surprises in 2021 and perhaps beyond. Take for example the recent resignation of Turkey's finance minister. President Erdogan has fired a second central bank governor in 16 months. The lira is collapsing against the US dollar and Turkey is currently experiencing double-digit inflation due to low interest rates. In an attempt to stamp out runaway inflation, Turkey's central bank would like to make a decisive rate hike. Erdogan is against a rate hike apparently until the pandemic has passed and the economy has completely recovered. How this tug of war plays out and what effect it has on Turkey and indirectly the rest of the world economy is currently anyone's guess. However, it's clear policymakers are as split as to how best navigate the current economic uncertainty as they were in 2008. And Turkey is only one of many, many potential financial bombs that could go off at any time without warning if policymakers get the calculations wrong. 2. The belief a vaccine will return the world to normal. The good news is, vaccines are well on their way to being ready for distribution to the world. Clearly, based on the significant bump world markets experienced after Pfizer's vaccine announcement, many investors believe the worst is behind us. Even though many travel stocks, hotels, and airplane manufacturers have taken on vast amounts of debt to survive through the pandemic, many investors are convinced it's time to buy beat-up travel stocks. However, this strategy could be a little premature. There are still a number of significant hurdles the world must overcome before business and leisure travel starts picking up significantly again. Problem 1. Markets are already cooling following the realization of investors that delivering Pfizer vaccine will be incredibly difficult, even for first world nations. The vaccine must remain at 80 degrees Celsius until being prepared for injection. Infrastructure for transportation and storage at these extremely cold temperatures simply not widespread. This means unfortunately, that even if millions of doses of vaccine were to suddenly appear at the airport tomorrow, it might still take months to deliver and vaccinate everyone who wants a vaccination shot. Add to this the widespread distrust of vaccines in general, 
surprisingly widespread belief COVID-19 doesn't exist or that some sort of a magic cure exists, and it all adds up to many more months of dealing with the pandemic. In the meantime, infection numbers continue to rise to new records. December and January are shaping up to be terrible months. Hospitals are again reporting exhausted doctors and nurses. We are barely halfway through November. Already there are new lockdowns in Europe and new restrictions look certain for many cities across North America. Although there remains debate over whether the lockdowns are worth the cost to the economy or not, at this point, it probably doesn't matter anymore. The psychological damage has been done. People don't trust their governments to handle the pandemic and massive numbers of people are simply staying home as much as possible. This trend will continue until virus infection numbers come back under control. Problem 2. The service industry has been struck terrible blow. For all of those brave businesses that managed to struggle through 2020, more pain is on the way. In Japan for example, business travel remains way below normal levels. Tourists are virtually non-existent. Cracks are showing in the local economy. Chinese tourists used to crowd the streets of Osaka, shopping for Japanese cosmetics and healthcare products. With large yearly increases of overseas tourists, drug stores in particular, have flourished. Even in the early days of the pandemic, after flights from China were banned, drug stores continued to be swamped with profiteers looking for medical products to send back to China. Hoarding and shipping back mountains of healthcare products became such a problem, the Japan Post Office shut down shipments of all kinds to China for months. Unfortunately, having too many Chinese customers is no longer a problem. In fact, today drug stores in once busy tourist locations are not only short of customers, they are closing. Restaurants are closing too. Last month I met an ex-colleague for drinks at the Namba Oriental Hotel. I estimate a full one-third of the restaurants in this complex are boarded up. Even more shocking, the hotel's reception on the third floor of the complex is completely empty, lights off, at least temporarily, completely out of business. Of course, this means lots of jobs have been eliminated and lots of service sector people have been sent home, which in itself is a drag on the economy. However, it is the loss of tax base I am even more concerned about. Every employee making less money this year. Every business that went bankrupt in 2020. Every commercial landlord not receiving rent. All of this means significantly less tax to collect in 2020. With significantly less tax revenue, public sector cuts look inevitable in 2021. Local governments will have to consider chopping all kinds of social services. Civil servant jobs could also be in serious jeopardy. Education funding could now be out the window, right at a time where school boards are being stretched thin responding to extra costs incurred by the pandemic. Tech valuations are still on Mars. Technology stocks have lead the way higher in 2020. Anything that involved making working from home more convenient or more comfortable benefited from the lockdowns. In fact, even technology stocks having nothing to do with working from home have benefited from the technology gold rush. Valuations remain out of this world high and investors don't seem to mind. However all bubbles end the same way. Someone finally wakes up, says this is nuts and starts selling.
the technology bubble will end. It's only a matter of when. The real problem for investors is, technology stocks may no longer be safe havens, Q3 profits were juiced by pandemic-related purchases. A new home office chair. A bigger monitor. A new PC for stay-at-home school classes. A new light for work-from-home meetings. All of us probably bought something related to the pandemic. However, these purchases were not only mostly one-time purchases, they were completely unnecessary purchases if we were living in normal times. The initial lockdowns convinced many of us to sign up for Netflix or to purchase a gaming console or an Amazon Fire Stick. Later, when we couldn't go back to the office, we purchased what we needed to upgrade our home offices. However, even if there are more lockdowns or work-from-home orders this winter, it's unlikely we will see the kind of purchasing we saw in the spring of 2020. Are we at the end of a market cycle? The big question investors have to ask themselves is, how do we know if we're at the end of the market cycle rather than at the beginning of a new market cycle? To answer that question we need only look at how narrow the leadership is in mega-cap tech giants like Amazon, Apple, and Microsoft. In fact, the vast majority of the gains observed in the S&P 500 are almost all due to the fantastic performance of only a handful of technology names. Narrow leadership is almost always observed at the end of a market cycle event. Early cycles are dominated by broad market leadership. We currently do not have broad market leadership. Most mega-cap techs have been trading sideways since September. Smaller capitalized technology names connected to the stay-at-home phenomenon have already lost considerable value, see graphs above. Is it possible stocks could see a post-election rally now that the US election has been decided? Sure, it's completely possible. However, this doesn't change the fact technology stocks remain historically overvalued and leadership remains very narrow. If the economy continues to weaken, even mighty technology names like Apple and Amazon will eventually be forced lower. The politics. The current recession. The Great Depression was ended by large democratic spending programs under the leadership of Roosevelt, but this time we are in the middle of a recession where no government seems to want to spend significant amounts of money on rebuilding infrastructure. Without a significant job-building plan, the world could still tip into depression according to credible economists. We keep hearing about how a new stimulus injection passed by Congress will save the economy. Unfortunately, even if the US does manage a second stimulus package, the markets will likely be seriously disappointed. Like it or not, Republicans have absolutely no reason to agree to any kind of stimulus package at all, now that they have lost the White House. With government split, either there will be a significantly smaller package than originally suggested by the Democrats or there will be no stimulus package at all. To make matters worse, the Federal Reserve has already made it clear there is no way they can get money into the hands of SMEs. Jerome Powell has been clear for months that only Congress has the ability to guarantee loans for smaller companies. After all of the fraud committed in the first round of stimulus, it would be interesting to know how many members of Congress will want to stick out their necks to guarantee smaller companies. China China is a new wild card. The Trump administration has already been embroiled in a trade war with China for months. A Biden administration might actually be worse for China. 
although a Biden administration might be significantly easier to negotiate with, China has unfortunately decided to use the pandemic as cover to take political control of Hong Kong. Biden and his European allies are almost certain to take action against this new round of aggression. On the one hand, a takeover of Hong Kong seems a bit irrelevant for the rest of the world. However, the geopolitical implications are significant. China has declared a desire to unify China. This includes bringing Taiwan under Beijing's political control. After watching democracy crumble in Hong Kong, democratic Taiwan will now be on high alert. Although there are no treaties forcing the US or Europe to protect Taiwan from an all-out invasion, it is likely Western nations will work together again to bring China under control. This will almost certainly be through financial leverage, and a continued and perhaps deepened trade war with China. How the greatest bear market rally of all time will end, the good the bad and the ugly. The one thing that may keep the stock market afloat is if the Federal Reserve decides to start buying stocks. This may sound ridiculous, but keep in mind, the Federal Reserve has already taken the unprecedented action of backstopping junk debt in 2020. It's worth noting, the Bank of Japan has purchased stocks on the Nikkei index for many years. In fact, the Baj is now rumored to own as much as 13% of all traded stocks. Although such an action would virtually guarantee addiction to Fed intervention, I think investors should not completely count this possibility out, desperate times sometimes cause desperate actions. However, barring further intervention by the Federal Reserve, I suspect all Western markets have topped and now will continue a slow grind lower as infection-induced economic damage continues to increase. Local tax bases will continue to shrink causing a deepening downward spiral next year. Ultimately I think markets will retest their March lows as the great bull trap of 2020 unwinds. The great bear market rally of 2020 will end like every other recession ends, significantly lower than the peak. Yet, it's not all doom and gloom. Bear markets are naturally and necessary parts of any healthy stock market. Bear markets also create opportunities. Investors sitting on significant profits now have a lot of options. If you are a clever investor sitting on piles of profits you should consider the following. Rebalance profits to other asset classes or economic sectors. Take profits, pay down debts. Do something or buy something nice for someone you care about. Start setting prices of your very favorite stocks at incredibly low prices, we are sure to see continued stock market sell-off. Please seek professional advice before making any investment decisions.